Thanks so much. And also a big thank you to CIMC for making this possible. Um, really is such a delight to be here tonight and to see both familiar faces and, and new faces. I'd like to share with you some reflections on this teaching of the, the Buddha um, that's, that's summed up in these three words, the gratification, the drawback or drawbacks, and the escape. And, and before getting into the details of this teaching, I, I, I want to offer a context within, uh, within which we can understand this teaching. And that context would be uh, the reminder, this reminder that the, the Buddha also offers me that, that soon I will die. Soon you will die. And this is something that it's it's interesting, and and I find it really helpful to to frame it also. Of I'm going to die, and it, it's going to happen sooner rather than later. Because so often I can reflect and think, oh yeah, I'm yeah, eventually I'm going to die. <laughs> but so uh, I, I, in some ways, the way I'm reflecting is putting off that. And maybe some of you can relate to this. Just when you reflect on the people you've lost, so often what can arise for me is, wow, it happened too soon. I can't believe it. A couple of weeks ago, there was a member of a, a sangha I've been serving for quite a while. And it was interesting to see that come up again. Oh, she was too young for that. But it's, it's true, isn't it? Uh, we're living these lives that are so brief. The poet Cheswav Miwosht puts it well. He says, the partition separating life from death is so tenuous. The unbelievable fragility of our organism suggests a vision on a screen, a kind of mist condenses itself into a human shape, lasts a moment, and then scatters. This is the fact of our lives, this brief, fragile life that you have, that, that I have. And the Buddha points to this, probably many of you know this, the, those five daily reflections that he recommends both for lay practitioners and monastics. One of them is, I'm, I'm of the nature to die. And even in the four foundations of mindfulness, that you're, uh, some of you are probably familiar with. It's a, using the reflection of death a little bit differently, but it's a similar reflection, you know, imagining, oh, my body's going to be like those, those bones in the cemetery there. Oh, my body is of the same fate. It will be like this. So here's the context, the context that I want to propose for this teaching to share with you those reflections. And, and when I get a feeling sense of that, a kind of question that comes to me is what's most important in this life of mine before I die? What's most important in your life? 
what is that? Or in other words, to tie it more closely to this teaching, what really brings you deep contentment? What is that? It's an essential question, don't you think, given these ephemeral lives we're in the midst of? Like if I'm going to take the remainder of my life seriously, where where am I going to discover deep contentment? And I find that it's important as a practitioner, at least for me, to sincerely ask again and again, what gives me deep contentment? Does, does this give me deep contentment? Does that? What is it? Where am I fooling myself? Where, where do I really discover it? And I want to acknowledge, like, if, if we were to go around right now and maybe share what brings you deep contentment, there would probably be so many different ways of describing that. Some ways I'd love to do that, just to hear the multiplicity that's probably on this call right now. And, and yet I want to use a phrase as a kind of catch-all, and I hope that it catches at least a little bit of your sense of what brings you deep contentment, even though you might articulate it in your own unique way. And this phrase comes from a poem by uh, Pablo Neruda. He says, We, the mortals, touch the metals, the wind, the ocean soars, shores, the stones, knowing they will go on, inert or burning. And as I was discovering, naming all these things, it was my destiny to love and say goodbye. Do you hear what's important to him? Oh, it's my destiny to both love and say goodbye. Oh, this is what's important to me. This might be the gateway into what truly brings deep contentment. And when I imagine the Buddha, at least the, the Buddha that comes in my imagination, I imagine that these kinds of questions were swirling around in his heart and mind before he began sincerely his spiritual path. Like there's that, that story of, of the Buddha. Some of you, you might know it. I, I think it comes from Ashwagosha, his uh, uh, Buddha Charita, where he tells the story of the, the Buddha living in this palace and then eventually leaves the palace walls. And in that story, I imagine the Buddha, the Buddha's life just before setting off on a spiritual journey in that palace. And these questions floating around in his mind. You know, what is important to me? What actually gives me deep contentment? Is it this or is it that? And the way Ashwagosha 
tells it, it's it, we discover a Buddha that has this opulent, supposedly very pleasant life that's not bringing him any contentment. Pleasant, yes, but it's not fulfilling, it's not meaningful. And this is what fuels his, his journey, his beginning of the spiritual path. So we could say the Buddha had a gratifying life, but not a lot of well-being and contentment, not a lot of meaningfulness. And hopefully with what I'm sharing with you, one of the, the kernels here is because of the, how the mind is relating to pleasant experiences. And really it's through seeing this, he discovered uh, a path and a practice that allowed his mind to relate to experiences differently. And of course, some pretty major life changes that he also engaged in to help support this, which brought more ease and contentment and I would say fullness. So here's the context that I want to repeat. Here, my life, your life, it's going to end soon. And this invitation to, to take sincerely, what, what's important to you in this brief life of yours? What truly brings contentment? And then I connected it with this uh, imagining this context for the Buddha as well. So, so now I'd like to unpack this teaching, the, the gratification, the drawback, and the escape, and, and how it can help me discover deep contentment or to tie it back to Pablo Neruda's uh, language. How does it help me to simply love and say goodbye? to fulfill that destiny. As I said, it, I, I think so much of it is coming into a skillful relationship to experience. And this teaching is coming into a skillful relationship in particular with pleasant experiences. So I'm gonna be narrowing it down to this, this one flavor. And yeah, it's important to explore that whole realm of unpleasant experiences that's a different talk, though. We're just going <laughs> to narrow it down here. So gratification. So the, the Buddha's really clear. What is the gratification in the world? And he defines it as whatever joy and happiness there is in the world, that is the gratification in the world. The, the Pali word is uh, asada, which is connected with taste. It's like an enjoyable taste, like a sweetness, a taste, a, a sweetness that we can taste. What I appreciate about what the Buddha's pointing out here is that he's he's saying, yeah, there's gratification in in experience. There are experiences that are sweet, they're so sweet, they're enjoyable, they're pleasurable. So I think this is important. The, the Buddha isn't saying that you shouldn't experience pleasure. Just stating the fact that this is part of the human experience. And what I appreciate about this 
is the the Buddha isn't beginning this teaching with some kind of metaphysical conjecture or belief, but something that's experiential that I can ask myself, oh, I can relate to this. Yeah, there are experiences that I find gratifying in this way that are so sweet. And then there's the, the drawbacks, Adinawa or Adinava, the disadvantages. And then the, I think the, the Buddha in this point of the teaching is inviting us to be honest with ourselves. Can I be honest with myself? Can I ask the question to myself, are there any drawbacks or downsides to some of these experiences of pleasure. And why should I ask this question to myself? To go back to the context, because my life is brief. It's an incredibly precious thing I have to live. And, and when I can reveal these drawbacks and downsides, it opens up another possibility that I can find a deeper happiness, a deeper sense of contentment. At least you could say that's the, the rumor, right, around this path and this practice. And then you, you got to discover, is this true or not, if you investigate this? It's just a proposal. It's for you to discover. So what's an example of this that, that might help? And I, I want to take one pleasant experience, which is the experience where uh, to be liked by others, to be affirmed by others, to, to receive the kindness of others. It, it's so sweet. Have you ever felt that, right? When, when somebody really appreciates you, I love it. It creates connection. It's, it's a pleasing experience. It's wonderful to have friendships like that in community where we're seen and heard and liked. Yet if I obsessively want this, oh, you've done that. Life is so miserable. Because <laughs> it's, it's not going to always happen. It's impermanent, unreliable. And th this is what the Buddha points to around the drawbacks. It's because these pleasant experiences, they're impermanent, they're, they're unreliable, they pass. So it's the wanting more and more that's the problem. Or if I desperately need it to be content, that's the setup. And I know I've noticed this at times in my life, especially when I have more anxiety or fear, especially around social situations. And there's a desperation I, I, I just suffer from it. So I want to be clear again that, that uh, to be liked by, uh, by others, to be affirmed, to have that, that experience of kindness towards oneself, towards uh, that, that you receive from others, it's gratifying, it's sweet, and it's pleasant. The problem comes in around how the mind's relating to it. That's the, the craving, that's the setup for disappointment. Where, where I start to create a world where I can only be content when somebody, some, someone's actively being kind to me.
Is this making sense? Oh, here's the drawback around this pleasant experience. And to come back to Paulo Neruda's words, can, can I love being liked? Can I really show up for that to savor the pleasantness of being in relationship with others? Can I savor the sweetness of that to love it? And then when it passes to say goodbye to that experience. Maybe truly this is my de destiny to love and to say goodbye. Maybe that's one way of understanding, fulfilling my destiny. To love that connection and can say goodbye to it when it leaves. Hopefully you're hearing in this example that I'm also uh, pointing a little bit to the escape from these drawbacks. It's when craving drops away. That's the escape. To, to learn to use poetic language, to learn to love instead of grasping. In this example, I, I want to point out that the example I gave was a, a kind of example that it's not about getting rid of that, but rather relating to it in a different way. To address the drawbacks by seeing how the mind's relating to it. And probably there's many things in your life where you can bring practice to this. And, and hopefully this is, this is uh, coming across as a, a simplified version of this, if we have time in the discussion time to get into some more of the complexities. And I want to point out that this is just part of this. There are, there are some things I need to really learn how to savor, not necessarily get rid of, and just to be aware of the craving that might arise and to disentangle from that, to escape by allowing that to cease. Yet there's also some experiences where what's important is that I'm setting them aside. That I need to stop engaging in because the drawbacks just are too big. I need to engage, as I said at the beginning of this talk of, is this actually gonna give me contentment or not? And if it's not, can I set it aside? Like, this too has been an important part of my, my path. Like one example of this, when I, when I began to get really interested in this path and this practice, kind of Buddhism in general, uh, more than just uh, Theravada Buddhism now, now over 30 years ago, I still like smoking pot every now and then. It was gratifying. Both the drug was gratifying, getting high, and the community, because I don't know what smoking marijuana is like now. It's, I think, changed quite a bit. But back then, um, uh, one of the things I really appreciated is it was something that always happened, at least for me, in community. Somebody would have some weed, and then the whole group of people was always kind of bringing people together. It was something that was shared. It was never something that one person had. It was always um, seen that way as, as something shared. And it was a kind of community, at least I was really quite young at that time, that, that 
as you can see, there's some drawbacks that I'll get to, but but had a sweetness to it because it was a place where I was actually accepted. I was liked, which was difficult for me to find. And when I look back on that time, the process of kind of navigating, getting high, I can also um, notice the what I would call looking back on it, the implicit process of wholesome disenchantment that was starting to come from my understanding of this path and this practice. And what I mean by this is that um, the, the experience I noticed was gratifying, but not deeply fulfilling. So then, th then I started to become disenchanted, you could say. And during the first while, during this disenchantment in that phase, quite honestly, it, it was tough to stop for a while. And even when it stopped being pleasant and gratifying, there was still the craving for it. The craving for it to be gratifying, which continued the habit. And I don't know if any of you experienced this, where there's something pleasant that you get hooked by. And then it's more like the craving is still happening, even though it stops being pleasant. And I, I want to be clear, this is this is just my experience of marijuana. It's not something it's something that really didn't work for me. I know other people who who don't have a similar experience as me around the substance, maybe some people using it medicinally or otherwise. So I want to be clear, I'm I'm, I'm speaking about my own experience around this. This kind of dynamic, it can be around the simplest of experiences. Even donuts. Like, I love the idea of eating donuts, even just the word. <laughs> so great. It contains this potential of deep satisfaction and gratification. Yet each time I eat donuts, I usually feel pretty bad. <laughs> The idea of gratification is stronger than the actual gratification, and there's drawbacks. And with both of these, I think the cool thing that, that really started to clarify around smoking pot was noticing and finally getting it in, in a bodily level, oh, this drawback is definitely not worth it. It's hindering my contentment in life. This is so not fulfilling. And once I got that not in my head, but in my heart, it was so easy to let go of that. To have just a holy, a whole disinterest in that. So hopefully you're hearing with practice with something like that. Of course, there's ups and downs. And I, I also want to point out there's a complexity often to addiction too that I'm not going into. But it has these elements where I can notice, oh, there was there is a gratification sometimes in experiences like this. And then when I really start to take in the drawbacks, the heart can release. And then there's the escape. Something that I set aside for a deeper sense of contentment. Mm -hmm. You know, there's been studies on this as well. 
one study they, they discovered that our minds commonly imagine we're going to be happier around a pleasant experience than we actually end up being. So my narrative about the pleasant experience is off compared to what I get from it. You know, pleasant experiences such as getting a new relationship or new jewelry or new shoes or a new car. And what they discovered is that most human beings do not predict well around such pleasant experiences. This was a some studies done by Daniel Gilbert and Tim Wilson, Daniel Kenneman, and George uh, Lowenstein. And I also want to point out the context that we're thrown into. The odds are against us. Advertising works by making me believe, making us believe that we're going to be happier or more satisfied with this or that than we actually will be. This is what drives consumerism. And what does good advertising do? It increases craving right? by hyping up the pleasure. What am I going to get out of it? Sometimes can even valorize the craving. I don't know. I don't know if you remember. Maybe it's probably quite dated. The there was that jingle around Lay's potato chips. That 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 jingle of but you can't just eat one Lay's, and not want more and more. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? A potato chip company kind of upholding craving as a way of selling things. But I notice it's all around me. Maybe you've noticed it. The Netflix binge. That's what that is often for people. How social media functions can up the fear of missing out. And then it creates that wanting, wanting to see what others are posting or saying. The news. What makes news successful is keeping the audience hooked on the next catastrophe, the next political fight. And sometimes that can be a hook for me because I can be like, oh, I need to watch the news or read the news to stay informed. But then there's that tangle of the hook. And again, I want to come back to what I began with. Is that contentment when you're lost in those cycles? Can you have the curiosity to keep the question of alive? Because our lives are so precious and so brief. Like craving destroys, at least this is what I notice in my heart, it destroys this precious life. It traps it. Like the Buddha gives that, that image around craving, like a, like a, a, a rabbit caught in a snare. And on the systemic level, often the engagement in consumerism, it's at the expense of others' well-being, including at the expense of our earth and so many other species. Endless wanting is harmful and really quite miserable.
And as a side note, I, I want to be clear, craving is different than having a passion to transform ourselves in our communities, having a wholesome desire, like this phrase, dhammachanda. Again, that's another talk, but I want to make sure to make that distinction. And I'm not saying pleasant experiences are miserable. That's why I find it so interesting that the Buddha begins with gratification, asada. It's rather how the mind's relating to it, mostly, is what he's pointing to. And this is why I need to learn to love instead of crave, to learn to love and say goodbye when the time comes. And I find it interesting, you know, in, in terms of this path and this practice, the Buddha even encourages us to move toward certain pleasant experiences. At least in the, the suttas, this is what I, I find so fascinating, is that it often so much of the path is this path of pleasantness that allows the heart and mind to let go. Oh, the pleasure of generosity. It feels so good. It's gratifying. Oh, and it helps the heart release. Oh, the, the pleasure of samadhi, of the mind being collected. Oh, it feels so good. And as the Buddha said, not to be afraid of such pleasure, but to, to cultivate it, to, to make much of it, to savor it, to train in it. Because it can be such a, a support in, in letting go on deeper and deeper levels. Kindness, compassion, they feel good. And even with these, yeah, we need to be aware and not to grasp and to say goodbye when the time comes and they pass. As I mentioned, I'm sure you're hearing the escape. It's this different relationship to experience. And then also, like I was talking about around smoking pot, the willingness to set things aside because my life is too short for them. So how to explore this? And, and there are these two realms I'm sharing with you. One is the setting things aside and the other is the different relationship. The setting things aside what I need to notice if the certain cycles that I need to step out of. For example, maybe you get home from work, you want to relax and take a break. What's a skillful way of doing that that supports your deeper sense of how to live? That supports really what's important to you? What's that going to be? Or when you want to connect with others, hear how they're doing, what's the medium best for that? Is it social media? Is it text? Is it a walk or a phone call? What's fulfilling? What's merely gratifying? And I want to be clear, I, I'm not trying to propose some kind of rigid, moralistic view of what you should and shouldn't do. I, I'm just offering an invitation to reflect on your life, and then you discover what you discover. Really, I, I want to be honest, I don't know what that is for you. 
And I also want to be cautious about that. Just as I was talking about marijuana, I, I know what works and doesn't work for me around that. I, I, I honestly, it would be disingenuous for me to decide that for anyone else. That's your exploration. And then, of course, things that are onward leading, like having sweet connections. How is my mind relating to them? Can it keep in mind that they're not permanent or not perfect? So I'm not getting obsessive around the wanting. So just to wrap up, just a reminder, our, our lives are brief. As Shizwav Miwosh says, the unbelievable fragility of our organism suggests a vision on a screen. A kind of mist condenses itself into a human shape, lasts a moment, and scatters. And in light of this, can you learn to love without grasping? And when the time comes, say goodbye. Thank you. Thank you for your attention. Really such a delight and really such an honor. And uh, just uh, loved uh, getting to hang out with you. And yeah. Just a, a big thank you to everyone and, and may the merit of our time together tonight go to the benefit of all beings. Yeah, thank you, everyone. Yeah. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.